0: You know what they say, two Jews, five opinions. Welcome to Unorthodox, a weekly podcast from Tablet Magazine in which we talk about the news of the Jews. I'm Mark Oppenheimer, and as ever, I'm joined by my Tablet colleagues, senior writer Liel Leibovitz. Hello, hello. Hello, Liel. And phoning in from vacation in the Rockies, Deputy Editor Stephanie Butnick. Hi. Hi, Stephanie. Later in the show, we'll be talking with storyteller and radio Jewess, Ophira Eisenberg. And as our guest Gentile of the Week, humorist and manners maven, Henry Alford. But first, a little news of the Jews. Two big stories coming out of New York City this week. Jon Stewart signed off handing the reins to the comedy horse over to new jockey Trevor Noah, who got off to a rocky start with the Jews back when he was appointed when they found some Twitter jokes that some people found offensive. But if John Stewart believes in you, so do we. Did he say comedy horse or comedy whores?
1: Horse. horse. Oh, the I... latter would have been funnier.
0: But if John Stewart believes in you, so do we. Trevor, we forgive you. We grant you Jewish absolution if you promise to come on our show. It actually has to be done in person. And New York Senator Charles Schumer, who is sort of like the head Jew in the Senate because he's a Jewish senator from New York, came out against the proposed treaty with Iran, which probably matters not at all. But now Republicans are inviting him to Shabbat dinner. But let's start our discussion this week with the world of romance novels. Liel wanted to talk about the controversy surrounding Kate Breslin's oh-so-steamy Nazi romance novel For Such a Time, which came out in 2014 and concerns the romance between Hadassah, who is described as a blonde and blue-eyed Jewess. She's an inmate at Theresienstadt, the concentration camp in World War II, and the Nazi commander rescues her to be his secretary— The plot is supposed to be based a little bit on the book of Esther, but it has very Christian overtones because rather than embracing her Jewish faith, Hadassah decides to delve into the New Testament, which offers her maximal comfort. Some people have found this offensive. Liel, what did you
1: make of this? I find the whole genre offensive. Uh, I, I think this is a really good opportunity to talk not just about this particular book, but about the fact that we tolerate really what is probably the only genre fiction in which there are literally rules. Uh, the, the books literally have to have a happy ending. I think I would find this much less offensive if it weren't so unbelievably contrived and really based on nothing but detillation. And we take it seriously. I mean, we like to pretend like there's some redeeming value because we live in this post-identity world in which every bit of detritus is celebrated as a expression of great identity. But I mean, really, a concentration camp in inmate who falls in love <laughs> with her Nazi rescuer? I mean, that's, it's like even pornier than Schindler's List, which was plenty porn. So for you, it's like it's just emblematic of the problem with romance novels existing. Yes. I, I don't I don't think
0: that they should. Stephanie?
2: I think, I mean, the weirdest thing to me, so he apparently rescues her from a firing squad at Dachau and takes her to Theresien as his secretary. And to me, that's sort of like a Weird rewriting of what definitely never happened mm-hmm. ever. And it, it just sort of, I don't know, dilutes the. I mean, I'm part of this camp of like, don't change what happened, you know, like don't fictionalize it, you know, call me old fashioned. But the people weren't rescued from firing squads. Like, this is just a romanticizing. I mean, it's, it's.
1: Especially because, you know, the Nazis actually did have a whole unit of, you know, as they were known in you know, c- clear, high romantic German poetry uh, field whores, which they actually did, you know, kind of uh, trot around for the amusement of, of the German troops. Uh, were they Jewish? Some. Some, uh, But yeah. there was no love.
0: Right. I mean, it's entirely possible. In fact, it's likely that some Jewesses were rescued because some Nazis wanted to have sex with them. Correct. Yeah, I mean, that's that's entirely possible. But, but
1: none of them looked like, oh, Himmler. <laughs> Your blue eyes—you really are the master race. You know what? I think I'm going to do what you're going to do. I mean, I first of all, so I, I want to say two
0: things about this. One, I'm curious about the gender politics of you writing off all romance novels, which are read exclusively by women, Leo. Yeah, correct. Uh, you know, this is this like, is are you where surprised? the that that Leo's writing off all romance novels. Yeah, you mean because he's that kind of blowhard?
2: But I like that. You know, he's consistent.
0: I think the fact that an evangelical Christian writer decided that she was going to use a romance between a blonde, blue-eyed Jewess and her you know, master overlord, pimp John, to sell us on the New Testament is, is pretty creepy. It's supremely creepy. It's supremely creepy. And I think that evangelical Christians, many of whom you know, do in theory think that the best Jew is a converted Jew, mm-hmm. is a Christian Jew, you know, could tread a little more lightly on the massive tragedy and, and of our And you people. know
1: what's a really great time to see the light? And accept Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior right after your sister was murdered next to you. That is a fantastic time right, to do that. There are, <laughs> there are no Jews in the foxholes of Theresa shot. No, so there like. are none.
0: The uh, best part is
2: he doesn't believe she's Jewish. He knows she was raised in a Jewish family, but, like, I think deep down he's like, I'm pretty sure she's not Jewish. So it's like... The whole right. that's, thing that's like is so twisted, but it's hugely successful. I that's mean, like it the has... part in,
1: in South Park in which Cardin was <laughs> like, no, don't say you're a Jew. Don't be so hard on yourself, but I am a Jew. No, come on. It's okay. You're not really a Jew. Come on now. Also in the news, a legal battle between two Jewish dating apps.
0: J-Date is suing JSwipe for the use of... <laughs> For the use of the letter J, because J-Swipe, which is like Grinder, where you get a picture of a Jew and then you just swipe it left or swipe it right, is sort of the hipper, faster, more ADD-ish, millennial preferred dating app. But they stole the J from the old fashioned, read their profile,
1: J-Date. I know Stephanie has a lot to say about this, and I, I really, I really want to hear her. But this is such a perfect segue from our last conversation. You do realize this is like mengele style, like lines in the concentration camp, right? It's like now so those are fit for work. We will swipe to the right. So those look a little bit old and frail. We will swipe them to the left, and then they will disappear. Like there's something so horrible about this whole. I'm so glad I never had to date under these, you know, digitally enhanced pretense. <laughs>
2: Me is how existential this whole thing has become I mean there's like infighting within the Jewish online dating world but so basically JDate's dates like the old guard which is kind of funny because I feel like for a while it was sort of like a punchline but you know they, they they were founded in 1996 they have 650,000 members and Jswipe was founded you know 10 months ago has I don't know how many
0: like 25,000 or something it's it's not that many.
2: It's sort of like the Jewish Tinder, where like you, you see if someone's picture and you swipe right or swipe left, but which I guess does have you know its own host of issues. But basically, so they're suing JSwipe for using the J, but also for using you know what they say that, uh, software that they say they have a patent on, which is software that tells you if someone else likes you. Basically, like if they if someone swipes right, you find out.
0: So J-Date is actually claiming the only reason you think of J as sort of the ubiquitous marker of the Hebrew tribe is because we created something called J-Date. So
1: now we get to own the J. We could always take it a step earlier. Uh, Stephanie, once upon a time before you were born in the 1980s, you were not born in the 1980s, correct?
2: Excuse me. I was definitely born in the 1980s. Were but you late, really?
1: Late. When in the 1980s? Bush era, 1980s. Who? <laughs> <laughs> All righty. All right. Uh, in in Manhattan, uh, there was a cable outfit uh, called the J Channel, which was uh, basically porn. It would broadcast from eleven p.m. until I believe four in the morning. And any time I visited Manhattan, I would just lie perfectly still in bed and wait for everyone else to fall asleep, and then just run to the TV and do my best to see. It was scrambled, obviously, and my grandparents' apartment was did not subscribe, sadly, uh, but. If you switch channels, if you went like up and down, you could catch like a five-second image of it of a breast of of something that would not even recognizable as a breast, but held the promise of maybe being a breast. Uh, <laughs> An and I effect. love that. I don't know why we can't retain that. That was your for, J for the J. That the was J-J. my J. J. Jewish. <laughs> that was, was the original J. J. It was not Jewish at all. I mean, what I think is also so
0: interesting about this is that you know there are only what twelve or thirteen million Jews in the world, right? And I mean, there's a market. For several Jewish dating apps, which in a way is kind of you know, there's something charming about that. Like we like each other so much, we want to marry each other. And those of us who want to see the whole profile and find out, oh, you like Michael Shaban, Oh, I like Michael shaban They have they have J date. <laughs> and what you want to see is, um, you know, oh, do you have a finely chiseled face with blue eyes? You you have the the other version. I mean, that's nice. and mean, we are a, we we contain many mansions. But
2: what, what this whole Jewish institution has been trying to do forever, which is like make young Jews mate with other young Jews.
1: It's the end of Birthright, because now we can do it with an app. No, we can combine yeah, them with an app. Yeah, can an airplane. Look, it'll be amazing. It'll be like Uber and J-Swipe together. But what you have to work in is the Ashkenazi genetic testing. That's like very you, true. you need to work <laughs> yeah, to a I mean, swab online.
0: You have to swab online. There are online.
2: apps for that, too.
0: I, there are apps for that. So you have to combine oh the one that makes sure you both aren't Tay-Sachs carriers. It'll fly you to Israel, and then you'll mate with someone you've already decided is attractive. I think this is a billion-dollar idea. Uh, while we're on the crowdsourcing bit— Also in the news, in Israel, a group of Canadian expats is crowdsourcing a fundraising appeal for Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper. According to the Jewish News Service, they are trying to raise $20,000 to send 10 volunteers to help Harper in the upcoming election. This is to, quote, thank him for sticking up for Israel at the UN and elsewhere. Indeed, according to the Jewish News Service, Israeli Prime Minister... Benjamin Netanyahu said in June that Israelis believe that the Jewish state has no better friend than Canada. So I have a couple of thoughts on this. First, they're trying to raise twenty thousand dollars. It is so utterly Canadian that they set out to influence an election and their goal is to raise twenty thousand dollars. That's like half a ticket at your average APAC fundraising dinner in Scarsdale. And if you see give...
2: what they're doing with that money? They're sending ten people to Canada <laughs> to like get the word out. It's like that's what you're doing? Ten people are gonna like go canvass the neighborhood.
1: And if you give money, you also get an apology for having been inconvenienced with this request for money. Like really sorry, eh? <laughs> it's so
0: Canadian. Second, I don't know how I miss Netanyahu's comment that Israel is no better friend than Canada, but I mean, that's a little sad, right? I mean it's when like you're twisting
2: the knife. Yeah.
0: It's like it's nice that Israel has somebody to sit with at lunch and to play Foursquare with at recess or gaga. But given that the U.S. gives th- Israel three billion dollars a year in aid. I mean, is Canada really its best friend? That's that was a little. I mean, Canada's the nerd with the trapper keeper. Like, we're still we're still Israel's best friend.
1: Canada is the nerd with the trapper keeper who gets transformed in the third act of the movie into the crazy hot girl you could totally see it becoming because basically it's just a blonde with glasses, right? In it's the Julia Styles. It's Julia Styles. That's exactly. It's ten things I hate about you, basically. BB is the Heath Ledger character, and Stephen Harper oh is God. a Julia Styles character.
2: I've say, this story comes from JNS.org, the Jewish news service. So that J is everywhere.
0: (laughs) All right, time to turn to our first guest, our Jewish guest, Ophira Eisenberg, comedian, storyteller, Jewess, host of Ask Me Another on National Public Radio. Ophira, welcome.
3: Thank you. Thanks for
0: having me. It's really nice of you to be here. What's new? What's new?
3: What's yeah. new? New? Uh, new? What's new? New? What's new? Uh, let's see. Uh, show is continuing. Ask Me Another. We're uh, taping, taping, taping. Doing lots of stand-up. Uh, I'm I'm pregnant,
0: so I'm going to do a pregnant stand-up special because no one's ever done that. I wasn't going to ask because I don't ask until someone's like nine months pregnant. I oh. don't, but you look a little bumpy.
3: Yeah, well, you know, actually, the, the one thing that hasn't happened to me except for last night was no one has touched me. Yep. People complain about that all the time, but I feel like we've all learned this, perhaps, in our culture that that is inappropriate. But a man that I did not know not only touched my stomach, but he leaned down and kissed it... And then said, it's a boy. And I said, I'm not pregnant, just to screw with him. And this look on his face was amazing. I was like, oh, God, this is the best practical joke of all time.
0: Um, can we talk about that for a second? This has sure. nothing to do with Judaism or public radio. but
3: Well, according to a lot of people who want to repopulate Israel, I think it has a Judaism. lot to do with Judaism. It has a lot
0: to do with Judaism. You're doing your part for the demographic challenge. Right? Thank you.
3: Or
1: threat, as, as it were. Yeah. You
0: need to exceed 2.1 children
3: to, <laughs> right. to undo
0: Hitler's work, the, um You know that when people touch your belly, yeah. it's because they love life and they love pregnancy. Like it's, you know, that it's
1: like a life affirming. It's. Yeah, I Mark, understand Mark, that it's no an invasion. Mark, your... no one walk, no one walk over and touch my penis and say good job <laughs> for your part Way in that. I mean, come on, it's but it's different. Crazy. Can we just be honest? Say
0: it's different. I'm not saying to do it, and I don't do it. But the urge to go and touch someone who is pregnant, who's carrying life, is a is. There's something moving about that.
2: And okay, I think we should like refrain from touching women without like. Any context in which
1: they would want that. Yep. I've just
3: never met someone in New York that loves life. Is that what you the word is? Well, right. So. <laughs> who are
1: these people? I was like, well, find me one of these there was someone on the subway loving life a lot the other day. <laughs>
3: and that's the person yeah. you avoid. <laughs> exactly at right. all Don't make
0: me be the earnest one here, but come on. Like the fact that people who wouldn't walk up and just that's touch right. your belly when you're not pregnant will do it when you are is speaking to something that I think is nice.
3: I I really I think that is such an optimistic nice thing. I think actually it's because it, it becomes a protrusion that is seen as separate from your body and therefore you are no longer a human woman, whatever. You you are part of a different thing. You are a pod.
0: You're a pod. How that's such a
1: dark way to look at it. Like, <laughs> According to eight of the 10 Republican uh, presidential candidates, that is a correct description, think, yes. Yeah.
3: yeah. So I think actually that's – I like your idea that it's just this – and there's probably some warmth in all this in it. But I think also people just assume that it's no longer part of you. So
0: my my only other question for you is – Only? That's it? That's <laughs> almost No, over. Liel has questions for you. <laughs> Stephanie has questions for you. So is – like why did NPR need another quiz show? Aren't there about 20 quiz shows on NPR?
3: I think, well, on NPR, uh, on produced by NPR, I think there are two quiz shows. Okay. Uh, and then there's obviously Will Shorts does his thing. I mean, but those are all in different, right. produced by NPR. Like I've always
0: been quizzed by NPR. You and feel now, like you're always I'm being always quizzed I've always been quizzed by that's, NPR. That's
3: what the people want. They want questions. They want questions that they can answer. Do I, I mean, I didn't conceive the show, I auditioned for the show. Do I think the world needs another quiz show? That's a good question. Sometimes I say that about podcasts.
0: <laughs> oh, Burn. S- oh bang. snap.
3: Do you like trivia or or like I've never been good at trivia. I've never been good at any game. I'm the youngest of six. I've never um won a board game. I've
0: never <laughs> been told I'm right. You're the youngest of six? Uh, yeah. Same 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 marriage? Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. How was that?
3: Um you know, you're teased and tortured your entire life. It's a good way to make someone a stand-up comic. Yeah,
0: you're tough. You're tough.
3: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. You're like, one day someone will listen to me. Do you all get together <laughs>
0: for like big show weekends at the beach?
3: Oh, no. No? No, no, no. We're all scattered all over the place, and we small factions of us get together occasionally, but it's it's very hard, and the age range is I was about to huge. say, there has to be
1: at least one of them that you don't like.
3: Well, people are constantly not talking to different—like, it's hard to keep do
1: up. Do you lord it over them? be like, I'm a national public radio, bitches? Like, oh, you wow, touch do me.
3: they not care?
1: Oh, really? They live
3: in Canada, first oh, of man. all. But, you know, uh, I th- I, yeah, I think that they are happy. My mother, she's 86 years old. You know, this woman grew up in, in war, World War II, torn Holland, met my father after World War II in Nijmegen— When he was part of the British army, like the uh, Israelis, it wasn't even Israel yet, who were were fighting with the British, that's how these people met. I mean, I'm just painting a picture that when I said to my mom, I have a job as a host of a trivia show on National Public Radio, her response was... Well, radio's not that
0: popular. <laughs> her so, her response you know. was, your father liberated Europe, <laughs> I so you it, could host that, that exactly. show.
3: <laughs> so, you know, these are, uh, and I'm, yeah, and as a pregnant woman, I'm not going to disturb this long line of non-supportive parents. I'm, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> Hallelujah.
0: Final question for Ophira. If you were, do you know about J-Swipe? Sure. And you know about J-Date?
3: Yes, of course. Okay.
0: If you were single right now, yeah. would you be more likely to be using J-Date? Or J-Swipe. J-Swipe. Why?
3: Uh, I, like the, I like the Tinder-like apps on the phone. I think they are way more efficient. I think they actually mirror the experience of real life. They do. Yeah. Because Where you're re- literally
2: like, I like the person or I don't.
3: Or- yeah. And you just look at someone who's close to you. I mean, everyone has always worked on Proximity.
0: So my wife says to me, she's like, this, would he, she she would hear this conversation and she would say, this is the endless male fantasy is that women are as superficial as men. Like you think that women enjoy Magic Mike XXL and PAX. No, she's not like, about... actually, women really do care about personality more than men do. Men are the superficial ones. Women really don't just like, like women really don't want strippers.
3: That's true. Male strippers have never been titillating or sexy to any woman. There's a reason yeah, like why there's weird. not male strip clubs all over the place, because they suck. And I'll tell you why. Because male strippers like that job. That is a problem. <laughs> okay? Okay. Wow. So that's so they'll never work. Uh, I
1: don't the think context. there's any more appropriate ending for this conversation.
0: Male strippers, send your emails to unorthodox at tabletmag.com. And now, our beloved feature Gentile of the Week. It's only the third week of Unorthodox, and already we're deluged with fan mail for the part of the show where we have a cultural exchange with that most exotic other, the non-Jew. This week, we welcome spiffy Anglo-Saxon Protestant Henry Alford, author of Would It Kill You to Stop Doing That? A Modern Guide to Manners. He also writes the Circa Now column for The New York Times. A very important recent piece of his analyzes the bro hug. Henry, when this is over, can I have a bro hug? You, you bet, man. All right, sweet. Bra. bra. <laughs> oh, that's so old school, bra. It's, like...
1: it's making it uh, come back.
0: It's making it come back. So we have, we have so much we want to ask you. And we know you have questions for us. But first, I understand you recently gave a commencement speech at your old junior college. <gasps> How
4: did you find – yes, I did at Simon's Rock. What, what
0: did you tell them?
4: Um, I felt that this group needed to know about – uh seizing opportunities that was a big part of it um and i just i just tried to relax them i i I was sort of like a um you know like an herbal uh emetic or colonic yeah that it just yeah that there's a lot of anxiety at that point in one's life and and i'm there to relax you you gave them an enema essentially
2: is that like what commencement
4: speeches are really yeah, I think I mean I think that they should be.
1: There's no part of you however that looks at these kids and then remembers your own experience in college and then gets totally vengeful and say, "Ha, huh, hi people who wouldn't fuck me in college." Guess where I am now? I'm on stage giving you advice, so listen up. Do you never get like that? Do you never? Wow.
4: No. Well, I never. I never ally dark vengefulness and and sexuality. I try to keep those in two different rooms of my. You're an American? Are you (laughs) sure about that?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Henry, I have an important question for you. Go. Have you been allowed back in Williamsburg since your piece about becoming a hipster?
4: Oh, man. That article. The the Brooklyn bloggers are the meanest group (laughs) of people I have ever experienced
0: in my life. Henry, what was that article about?
4: Um, So this was an article where I went to Williamsburg and spent five days doing all of the, uh, what I saw as sort of the quintessentially quintessentially artisanal,
0: uh, locavore-type uh, activities. You, like, made your own honey. You... I made my own honey. You I wove went... your own shoelaces. Yes. You...
4: <laughs> um, I went into some clothing store and said, are your socks artisanal? <laughs> um, and, yeah, it was the weirdest and strongest response that I've had to any article I've written in the Times. They were so vitriolic about what I saw as just kind of a larky travel piece.
0: Um yeah, it was that was a weird one. So Henry, we have, as you know, we have a resident panel of expert Jews here. I mean, Leal and Stephanie and I have all been credentialed.
4: Yes, the Yiddish kite in this room is stratospheric. It's, it's overwhelming. It's powerful. It's, yeah, powerful. it's and, like a
0: powerful musk. Right. <laughs> you can you can cut it with a butter knife. <laughs> and so, do you have any questions? Anything you've always wondered about our people that maybe you've been afraid to ask? I do indeed. Um, I've always noticed
4: that. Um, gaydar doesn't really work with Jewish dudes, Um, that this is a demo who, like my homosexual brethren, uh, tend to own more than one sweater, um, who enjoy the cuisine of many different nations, um, who are emotionally vulnerable, uh, who... um, uh, tend, on the whole, to stay indoors. Um, and so I'm wondering, you know, is there something culturally going on that's that's keeping these fellas' uh, proverbial tiger in its tank?
1: Well, I'm Israeli, and I don't even have a single sweater, so I'm going to let Mark Oppenheimer take the uh, first stab here.
0: Liel, you know, you come from the country that was founded to prove that Jews, you know, have
1: Have dick, have, you know, can be men. The entire project is basically the answer to Henry's question. Right. The entire, I mean, (laughs) Henry Henry is right, therefore we should be barbarians. I I like that.
0: Henry came in and thought we were like just, we were talking Arnold Scazy. We were just, we were talking, you thought this was a fashion question, but this actually goes to the deepest, you know, this goes to the essential question of whether there is a problem with Jewish manhood. I mean, I have had, I had an Orthodox guy say to me when we were arguing about Israel and I was saying, you know, less than kind things about Israel, and then some kind things. I was expressing complicated emotions about Israel as thinking people have complicated emotions about any country. That's a very, you know, questionably non-heterosexual thing to do. Right. About anything. Thinking. I could have been outside cutting wood, and I was sitting inside thinking like a Jew or a gay man. And this guy, this Orthodox guy, interrupted me. He said, you don't get it. Israel gave us our manhood. Because Israel exists, Jewish men everywhere can stand up tall. And I was like, "Bite me!" Like generations of Oppenheimers have stood up tall before Israel. After Israel, if Israel goes away tomorrow, we're still like maybe you'll return to being a hunched over little yeshiva booker, like making artisanal honey and reading Talmud. But we will be tall. But this question of like whether there's a problem with manhood amongst a people who exalt not the war hero but the scholar—that's like that's very real. And I think it's—I mean, we are the people that it's okay to marry the rabbi. Hey, you said
4: problem, not me. Uh, For for my money, I I think this is adorable.
2: (laughs) But what Henry's describing is someone who's like culturally literate, who's interesting, who's sophisticated. And I think like, yeah, the not going outside thing is part of that, but I don't think there's like a non-masculine thing there. I think that what you're saying is sort of like that Jewish guys are in touch with their feelings and have, you know, like good food. And I think that that's true. That's what I sort of Think. Yeah, and, yeah,
4: yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, I'll, you know, although I do, as this um, passive observer, wonder if there's a moment in a athletically inclined Jewish teenager's life where the parent says, well, our people are not really known for that. Here
1: is a stethoscope.
2: I think they just do that earlier. They hand the stethoscope to you when you're born.
1: Oh, I see. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the primitive view, which I actually hold. Uh, I, I think Henry is right, but I think also this instinct has given us, or or this counter reaction against this particular perception, has given us really some of the most interesting um, creative forces in the last you know half a century. Uh, I'm thinking of virtually every Jew that I truly admire, uh, and I think that a, at at least a large part of their career is some sort of eruption. Uh, that is directed precisely at this thing. I'm thinking about the Ramones. You know, I'm thinking of people who really let it go uh, in a really performative way, in a sort of really fucky way, in order to make sure that you knew that they weren't like those other scholarly, complicated, sweater-owning, mother-hugging Jews. They were a new thing, you know? I like that,
0: yeah, have you finally, Henry, have you had good experiences with the males of the Jewish persuasion?
4: I have yeah, absolutely, um that there's yes yeah, this there's this initial period of uncertainty trying to assign, and I realize we live in a post gender society I'm not even supposed to be thinking about this stuff uh, but yeah, no, totally always uh the sense of humor too, besides the the mother loving this the sweater um the sweater owning uh there's a lot of uh overlap in in that part of the Venn diagram.
1: So you're completely resistant then to the charms of a kind of, you know, gruff uh gun-carrying man of few word uh, type. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. It yeah. has to be the 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 sweater kind. I
4: I want some sweater uh and I want uh I want a couple of cultural illusions, and I want a very broad uh, culinary palette. A
1: civilized human.
0: Yeah, civilization is where I'm at. It's not
1: going to work for us, Henry. I'm sorry to tell you. Uh, It'll work for me.
0: Hooray. All right. It's time for our prayers of the week. Um, I have a very simple one. I want to be on Ophira Eisenberg's show. I want to be on Ask Me Another. And I've subtly hinted this to several people in her orbit. I have a friend who's written for a show. I know people who produce for a show. The calls never come. So I'm, but here she is in the room, seven months pregnant. She's in a, a vulnerable space. And my prayer for
1: the week is that she has me on at some point. Uh, Liel? My prayer for the week is that uh, no one ever again reaches a, a pregnant woman's belly and touches it without explicit permission. Stephanie?
0: Amen.
2: Uh, Dear God, I pray that horny young Jews can continue to meet and hook up with each other through all sorts of apps and websites and platforms until the end of time.
0: Hallelujah. Swipe
2: right, my brethren. Swipe right.
0: (laughs) Swipe right. Baruch Hashem. Hey, if you have thoughts, comments, praise, mazel tovs, or questions for our panel of experts, send them to unorthodox at tabletmag.com. My email, if you want to harass me personally, is moppenheimer at tabletmag.com. But be warned, I might read it on the air. Unorthodox is a production of Tablet Magazine. It's produced by Julie Subrin with expert assistance from Sarah Ivry. This week's rabbinic supervision was from Rabbi Jeremy Piven with kosher slaughtering by Rabbi Monica Geller. Our website is tabletmag.com. Our music is by Golem. Big Yasha Koch to tablet editors Alana Newhouse and Wayne Hoffman, who helped pull us all together. Join us next week on Unorthodox.